All right, guys, Fight Club. Fight Club. If you happen to notice, not everybody was doing those things. And so if you're thinking, man, I'd like to do Fight Club, but I really don't want to do that. You don't have to. You're a weenie if you don't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <clears throat> I can't say that because I probably won't be able to do some of this stuff either, but <clears throat> I've got a reason. <clears throat> I'm completely out of shape. So, No, if you haven't signed up yet, uh, we got 12 guys signed up to do this, 10 weeks, 10-week uh, challenge uh, to make you uh, a better man. All right, so um, sign up if you haven't done that. <clears throat> People are like, 10 o'clock tonight in Fremont, we got to be down there then? Yeah, because part of the thing here is to not put extra stress on the family. The family will be in bed. Ladies, 10 o'clock, okay? Bedtime. Um, don't stay up on the computer. Don't stay up <clears throat> watching TV. Go to bed. Uh, and then we'll be down there. And if you're like, I'm not really sure if I want to do it or not, show up. <clears throat> he doesn't commit you to doing it um, and find out more about it, and then you can make your commitment. It actually kind of kicks off, as far as I understand, like on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> and we're... It's not a thing where you go to meetings, like Jeff was saying. It's, we do it all virtually, and, um, and so it's good stuff. So <clears throat> this is my first time doing it um, as well. So, um, man, hope I can do it, but I think I will. Um, so we have a lot to cover today. Uh, if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to listen to the message. There's actually some notes uh, out back as well at the Information Center. <clears throat> Take time to listen to it. Uh, there's a reading list on there that would be important for you to, if, even if you're not a reader, get into the habit of reading. Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. Anyways, um, <clears throat> and then there's also going to be some notes, abbreviated notes, at the information table um, that at the end has just some verses from the Bible about mental health issues. Um, and so some people don't think the Bible's that contemporary, but there is. Um, and so I put some of them on there with the goal that you'll then research what the Bible has to say about these things. Um, so, because that's my responsibility, get you moving in the right direction, right? Uh, I've, got, I've got my own spiritual life to be working on, so, um, but I want to push you in the right direction. There's two truths. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I got, somehow I got a tickle in my throat uh, between services. Truth number one, the depth of your relationship with Christ directly impacts your fear, depression, and anxiety. The second truth, i got to put my glasses on, come closer to my notes than normal. Perspective is everything. What you focus on will determine what you see. <clears throat> of course, what you think you see will determine how you respond. So today we're going to look at we're going to look at this command <clears throat> that we looked at briefly last week. We're just going to briefly look at it again, and then um, and this command is to help those who are spiritually unhealthy. And the the interesting part of this is that if we're spiritually unhealthy, <clears throat> then we will be mentally and emotionally unhealthy. It's not the other way around. It starts with where we're at spiritually. So you can imagine a person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that they're separated from God, they're spiritually dead, that they're going to be struggling uh, mentally and emotionally. Um, and so we want to look at this command <clears throat> for how we're supposed to help those that are going through that. Um, and then the Bible is going to tell us where we're supposed to look, what's our focus supposed to be uh, as we go through life, as we experience what we experience, the circumstances that we go through. <clears throat> because... The circumstances we go through have been allowed by God. Not God doing it to us, but God allowing it in our lives. And the reason for that is for us to grow spiritually, to grow through those situations, become um, more spiritually mature, conform to the image of Christ. You know, again, the Bible talks about different, different ways of saying the same thing. Um, <clears throat> But before I do that, I want to I address the issue of medicine as it relates to mental health issues, because people have asked me that, uh, about that. <clears throat> so let me just say a couple things about that before we get started. Um, according to Scripture, <clears throat> human beings are physical beings, 
and metaphysical beings. We have physical things about us. We have metaphysical things. And metaphysical, by that, what I mean is spiritual, mental, and emotional. We are fallen individuals. Thank you, wife. We are... um, Let's give a hand for Kim. Hopefully, hopefully that works. Grace Point Church, everybody. Grace Point Church, there it is. Um, Some doctors, some um, secular doctors, will, um, if you start talking about being a Christian or having faith, they're going to encourage you to have your, your faith. It's not because they believe that there is a God, because most secular doctors don't. They believe that we've evolved from apes, okay, I mean, evolution. <clears throat> so they have a perspective that everything that happens to us is physical, uh, including our emotional state, <clears throat> and... So therefore, physical medicine will impact the physical symptoms that are being caused by a physical problem. Now, when there's a physical disease or a physical illness, high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, you know, these things, that can be measured medically, then there is a medicine that would work. It's a physical issue, physical medicine, giving relief to a physical problem in the body. So I take high blood pressure medicine. Not because you guys are so stressful. It's just part of my DNA. My parents had it. Um, My brothers have it. I have it. And so I take medicine for that. It's a physical issue that my body has because my body is a fallen body. It's sin-filled. It's weak. Um, So I have high blood pressure. And I'm also probably borderline diabetic. So I take blood pressure medicine. I don't take diabetes medicine because I'm controlling that with what I eat. Getting off of sugars, <clears throat> exercising. Exercising is good for my blood pressure as well. Getting off of sugars is good for my blood pressure as well. But I take blood pressure medicine. Now, what I could do is, <clears throat> is I could take blood pressure medicine, never change how I live, what I eat, how I exercise, <clears throat> and I will continue to take more and more blood pressure medicine. But if I were to eat right, and I were to exercise correctly, then that blood pressure medicine would typically go down. It'll probably never go away in my case because it's a physical thing that's in my body until I go to heaven, then I'll have perfect blood pressure. Uh, You'll all be bald, but I will be having... (laughs) Because again, perfection. Those, that have, those who are dealing with fear, depression, and anxiety, that's a metaphysical issue. That's a, a spiritual, emotional, and mental issue. There's no um, medical thing that they can do to find that in you. You go to a doctor, <clears throat> they ask you questions, they determine how depressed or anxious you are based on what you tell them, based off the symptoms that you're expressing to them. If you notice, they never put a machine on you. They never draw your blood. They, they don't check to see if you have these. Why? Because we are metaphysical beings. We are spiritual beings. They don't necessarily believe that. <clears throat> but if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, we're going to actually read a verse later on, that tells us that we are. We will look foolish to our doctor The Bible tells us that. We read it last week, 1 Corinthians 3.18. God says you need to become foolish in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of those who are not followers of Jesus Christ, and sadly, even some Christians. But you need to become foolish in their eyes. You need to do what I, your personal creator, your personal God who's good and has designed you and me, you need to trust me. You're trusting me for eternity. Can I just tell you something? That transformation from earth to heaven, a little bit more difficult than dealing with our fear, depression, and anxiety. You and I may not think that, but I'm telling you, 
it's infinitely harder for God to take us to heaven one day than it is for him to deal with us what we got going on in our lives today here on this earth. <clears throat> if you don't believe that, I want to challenge you to reconsider the God that you say you have your faith in. Because you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, who is God, the infinitely powerful, wise, all-knowing, all-powerful God who created you. And if we can't trust him, then you can't trust him for heaven. Now, medicine may help you get over the hump. It may get you so that you're calming down emotionally, calming your mind down mentally, so that then you can begin to do what God calls you to do, respond the way God calls you to respond, eat right, exercise, and then reduce that medication. Not overnight, maybe not even in a year. Maybe not even in two years, but over time, until God takes you to heaven where you'll be perfect. We either believe that as Christians, or we need to reconsider. And I know there's a, there's a bunch of um, things that people will bring up. Believe me, I've, I've sat in my office with people, and I've had every um, issue and circumstance and situation come up, and I get it. And I've dealt with some of my own in my own life, so I get it. Um, so we wanted to gain God's perspective on this. All right. Um, so again, get that reading list um, because some of that's more academic and medical, and some of it's more press goes together. Uh, so I would encourage you to do that. They can they've spent more time on it than I can spend time on. Um, uh, we want to look at, again, this command. We want to look at then what God calls us to do, and then we're going to look at a promise that God gives us if we are willing to do what he calls us to do. Uh, but I want to remind us before I start reading who these people are. These are Christians in the town of Thessalonica. And if you remember, we've talked about these guys quite a bit here in the last, end of last year and into this year. These are the Christians, if you remember, who are dirt poor, Paul says. These are the Christians who, because of their faith in Jesus Christ, the world has looked at them as such foolish people that they're losing family members. In other words, their family members are saying, we don't want you at the family parties anymore. We don't want you at our holiday celebrations anymore because you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and we think that's crazy. You're a fool. You're a whack job. These are the ones who are losing friends. Friends who aren't inviting them to the bar anymore or out to dinner anymore or to their house anymore because they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. These are the Christians who were losing their jobs, which meant they had no money, which means they couldn't pay their bills, all because they placed their faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the church family had to come around them and had to help them and assist them and pool their money together. These are the the Christians who um, were losing their freedom. Some were being arrested. Others were literally losing their lives. Can I ask you, what is it? Don't answer it out loud. What is it that is your fear? What is it that's your area of depression? What is it that's your issue of anxiety? See, perspective is everything. Um, secular psychologists call the fears that we have that cause depression and anxiety irrational. The reason why they call it irrational, and I would agree, is because it's what might happen. It's what could happen. As if we have some control of that. We, we don't have control over what's going to happen in five minutes. Boom! See, I, you guys didn't know that was going to happen. Well, yeah. No. I'll do it again in five. So it's irrational because we don't know if it's going to happen 
And a lot of times, whatever the fear is, even if it did happen, there'd be some way of getting help or that kind of thing. So, if anybody had a right or an excuse to be fearful, Courtney, you didn't have the baby. <laughs> I just want to make, I might have scared the baby right out of her. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> if, sorry, I should not have said that. I'm sorry. Focus, Harold, focus. <laughs> so, if, uh, yeah, if anybody had the excuse to be fearful, anxious, you know, depressed and anxious, it would be these people, right? Because they had real issues that were causing them to have real pain in their lives. Pain to their spouses, pain to their families, their children. So they would have the great excuse to say, hey, we're, gonna, we're not going to do that. We're going to isolate. Because, see, that's what happens a lot of times when we deal with fear and, and depression and anxiety our way. We begin to isolate ourselves. We don't want to be around anybody else. And it's unhealthy. And again, the Bible will show that to us. But these guys didn't do that. These guys, Paul's like saying, way to go. You guys continue to share your faith. You guys continue to work together as a church family. You continue to reach people for Jesus Christ. You're continuing to walk with these people. Way to go. They had some Christians who were struggling. And so they came around those people. They had non-Christians in their lives. And so they came around those people. And then Paul, the whole point of this is, excel still more. Keep going. Keep doing it. Keep helping people do this so they can experience the freedom that God wants to offer them if they do it God's way. And so, here's what God had Paul remind them and us. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. These are people who, uh, again, he's talking about Christians, and so obviously a non-Christian would have these issues as well, but so, so there are some Christians who need to be admonished because they are unruly. It doesn't mean like they're, you know, sitting in the back laughing like Bill and I were doing on Thursday night during Bible study. So Greg and uh, Clark are teaching Wednesday night or Thursday night Bible study. So I'm like in the back now. And so Bill and I are, I'm sorry, Greg, uh, Clark. Greg's not here, but I would apologize to him too. It was fun though. Anyways, what they're talking about is those who are out of step. Those who are, God has, God says, hey, do life this way. And they're like, nah, I'm going to see what's over here. And the reason why they're doing it, the word has this idea that they're lazy. They're not willing to put the work in to do it God's way. Then encourage the faint heart. Those who are feeling a sense of inadequacy or depression. Help the weak. Those who are spiritually weak or spiritually immature. And be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for everyone, for, or for one another, which is Christians, and for all people, those who aren't Christians. And so we're, we're told by God, we have this command, every verb we look at today, from 14 through 24, every one of them is in the present tense. Meaning, it is day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what you might think or I might think or how we're feeling that day, we do these things. We make a choice to do these things. Okay? I'll remind us as we go along a little bit. So, this is what we're supposed to do. There are people in our church who are struggling. So we who committed to doing life this way, we need to come around them. There are non-Christians in your life who are struggling. And you need to be able to come around them with what God says about how do we work through this and use it in our lives for our spiritual growth. So, uh, I just wrote down some notes here. I want to make sure I got these right. Yeah, go on. So here's a command. So admonish the unruly. Christians... So not just me. I'm going to do it today. <laughs> and I love every one of you. So let's just make sure we get that out. I'm doing this because I love you. <laughs> all right. So, um, All Christians are to warn the spiritually lazy to get back to doing life God's way. That's how we would put it in our words today. Christians, by and large, are spiritually lazy. How do I know that? Well, Lifeway did a, a research back 2014 or something like 2013, 2014, and Christians admitted, 70% of Christians admitted that they seldom or never read the Bible. 
Well, that would be like me taking blood pressure medicine and never changing what I eat. All right, and just keep on eating junk. Not eating health food, healthy food. I know it's hard. I hate it. I cheated this week and had sugar and paid the price. It tasted good for a second. Then it went into my stomach, and then I felt miserable. But Christians aren't even eating the food. They're not reading the Bible even. They're just, they're not reading the Bible. And the Bible, God's Word tells us to study it, memorize it, and meditate on it. See, those who are like me, who struggle with bouts of depression, because we meditate on the wrong stuff. We think, so you can't have a medical, you can't gauge this with a medicine, with a, a medical procedure. I think about the wrong stuff. I don't want Logan to know this, but I thought he had all those panels in the back right. There's one that's off. (laughs) I'll never not see that again. Sorry, man. But it looks great, right? So just take a big picture view. Don't look at the little issues. No, I look at the little issues. That's just, I was trained that way by my parents. I, I just, that's just who I am. And so I struggle with all those little things. It's, it's perspective. Medical procedure can't find that out. I'm not even sure where I went with that. But anyways, so we, I just had to tell them. I had to tell them some way. No, it looks great. Doesn't it? Everybody, turn around. Look at that. It looks awesome. Nice. Yeah, he actually he did a really good job. But if we're not, not going to be... Oh, that's what I was thinking about the negative... So if we're not going to be, if we're not going to be thinking about what God says, we're going to think about what we th- think we should think about. The problem is what we think we should think about is wrong. It's we deceive ourselves. We found out about last week. We start tracking down the wrong way of thinking. We need to be in God's Word. Meditation on God's Word is taking God's Word, truth, and having it permeate our hearts and our minds. Hearts and our minds. We're, we can meditate. Every one of us can meditate. Anything that makes us worry, we're meditating. Anytime we start telling ourselves stuff, we're meditating. We have trained ourselves over our years of living this world to meditate on the negative. And that's why some of us have gone off way off track from what God wants. So we need to get back to the health food. We need to get back to God's Word. We need to study it. We need to know it. We have a grow class where we teach how to, teach how to do it. You have a little manual, so you take it home with you. You can actually, every day, you can kind of do it step by step. Jesus Christ used Scripture against temptation. What are we thinking? Why aren't we doing that? Jesus did it. We have a 230 people in our church. We average about 130. Two Sundays ago... Last time of the EO3, when I was preaching like really long, this one's a long one today, but anyway, we had 171 people here. That, that's better, but God commands us to be together as a church family. That's why we talk about this all the time. That's why it's important to be here Sunday mornings, Thursday nights, because there's a spiritual encouragement and growth that happens by being together with the church family. And we average 130 out of 230 people who call us their church. So there's no, there's, there's, I'm not surprised that we have Christians who are having difficulties <clears throat> because all of us at one level or another are spiritually lazy. So a Christian who chooses, a Christian who chooses to not spend time and obey the God who saved them, there's an issue there. Are we seeing the illogical side of that? We say we want to be with God for eternity, but we're not willing to be with Him during the day. It's illogical. And if you think that that's the God of the Bible that allows you to trust Him for salvation, for eternity in heaven, but you're not going to trust Him with your daily issues then you need to rethink the God that you're worshiping. It's perspective. It's all about perspective. 
So the Bible commands us to do these things because in them is spiritual health. And when we are spiritually healthy, we'll be mentally healthy and emotionally healthy. So the second, second type of person is one who uh, is um, faint-hearted. And so we're to encourage the faint-hearted. We do that by, as Christians by coming alongside comforting and consoling those who are discouraged and depressed. And some of it we're going to do is 16 through 24. 16 through 24, this is just a small piece of the greater thing that we need to be doing. I preach about it every week. You know, so you need to be paying attention every week as to what it is we need to be doing. But this is just a small part of it. Everyone who's struggling, ongoing struggling with these issues is because they've lost focus on what the relationship with Jesus Christ means. It's a perspective. And so we need to be focused in on who Jesus Christ is. We are pulling ourselves relationally away from Jesus Christ when we need to be fully focused, totally surrendered to him. And so we need to come, come alongside. I'm leaving the, the stats up there because the stats point to everything that we are talking about. And the next one is that we're supposed to help the weak. So Christians are to help the spiritually immature by committing to walk with them and to show them how to do life God's way. So we who are working at doing it God's way, we're not perfect, none of us are, but those of us who are working towards that and want to work towards that, part of that is to walk with others who are struggling in this way. We, we don't want people in our church to accept Christ and then they're gone. That's not what God wants for them. He adopts them into their family. We're going to be part of their spiritual family. And so those who come to Christ, we want to then walk with them because that's what God calls us to do. Jesus Christ commands it. And it's part of our spiritual growth. If we're not doing this, we're not growing spiritually. Again, I keep going back to the Bible on this. I'm, I'm saying it, and I've talked on this before. You'll have to find it, and I can give you the passages if you're questioning it. And the other thing is, we're going to look foolish. I want to keep reminding us of that. Your non-Christian friends and family, and even some Christians, sadly, will think we're foolish for doing this. All right. Oh, so then Paul says, be, be patient and keep doing good. Again, day in, day out, no matter how we feel, no matter what we think, do good for people. Continue to warn them, continue to encourage them, continue to walk with them. Now, Paul moves him to command to now, here's the do's, here's the things that we need to be doing. If we want to have spiritual, therefore mental and emotional health, here's what we need to be doing. Now, this is whether you're helping somebody or this is you sitting here this morning um, struggling with this stuff. Okay, and, and all of us need to be doing. So this is, uh, this is what he says. And again, this is a total life change, total surrender thing. Here are the do's. So do, whoop, go back. Rejoice always. When? What does always mean? Always. In good times and in bad times. When you're not in the struggle, when you're going into the struggle, when you're in the struggle, after the struggle, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, good and bad, give thanks to God, by the way. For this, continually rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks, is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ here this morning, this is God's will for you. That you do these things. You will look foolish to your friends and family who are not Christians. You will look foolish to your doctor if they're not a believer. You will sadly look foolish to maybe even some Christians who aren't truly understanding what God's Word says. And so we are to rejoice always. Now there's a key word here. These, all these commands um, imply that we need to choose to do something. 
There's a reason why he's telling us we have to do these things because left to ourselves, we would not do these things. Okay, because our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can even understand how deceitful we are? We deceive ourselves all the time. The Bible continues to tell us, don't deceive yourself. Why? Because we will. So we need to make a choice to be glad, to be joyful, to see a change of perspective that whatever it is that we're facing, whatever it causes us to have fear, depression, and anxiety, that this is something actually good. Why? Because God's allowing it so that we will turn to Him, become more dependent on Him, we can become more like Christ through that. To find our freedom in Christ. To rejoice in the fact that we have a good God. Not because I've told you He's a good God, but because you've read and studied about how good of God He is. That God Himself has told you how good He is. And how powerful He is. And how He can, he can take our thoughts and He can renew them, as Paul says in Romans 12.2. Write that down. Romans 12.2. We can have our minds renewed, which is what God does, and He will then transform our lives. That means our mental and emotional health will change. It'll be renewed. It'll be transformed. Become more like Jesus Christ. Do you think Jesus Christ dealt with sorrow? Yeah. Why? Because sorrow in and of itself is not a sin. It's just an emotional response to what's going on in our lives. Jesus cried when Lazarus was dead. Not so much for Lazarus, because he's going to raise him from that. It's because everyone else's response. They had God in their midst. You think he wasn't straining and emotionally like in an upheaval when he was praying in the garden? He was so emotionally distraught that he was sweating blood. It's actually a medical thing that can happen to somebody. So in and of itself, it's not sin. What we do with it is a sin. So we rejoice in this God. Man, if you're not here on Thursday nights, and women, women's got his Bible study going on in Jeremiah of all books. And they're like, man, they're gaining a bunch of information. Guys, we're sitting here talking about it in Hebrews where... This week we're going to find out, not to take away from Clark, but we're going to find out that God says, hey, Jesus Christ went through everything you went through. And then he says, come to my throne with confidence to find mercy and grace at a time of need. Why would he tell us that if he didn't want us there? Why aren't we praying? When he commands us to pray, next one, pray without ceasing. Talk to God. We talk to ourselves all the time about what's going on in our lives. Stop it. You and I don't know anything. We're just infinite humans. We don't know what's going to happen in the next second. I just want to see if you guys are ready to... Some of you guys thought I was going to scream again. We make a choice to continually talk to God about the circumstances that we're going through. Every circumstance... We pray without ceasing. We talk to every, about everything we're going through. When I start having a debate in my head with somebody, I stop it. And I start talking to God about this person. And I ask God for wisdom to know how to talk to this person. And if, if my irrational thought of what might come up in that conversation is the case, then give me the wisdom to respond to that. But in this case, I'm just going to rejoice for that person, thank God for that person, ask God to bless that person, A person talking to God will find it very difficult to sin in what they think and what they do. Have you thought about that? A mind focused on Jesus Christ will have a difficult time sinning against him. Then he says we need to give thanks in everything. This word give thanks is actually, um, you might recognize Eucharist is the Greek. And so it has a base form of that. It means we have a sacrifice of worship. We give God a sacrifice of worship. What's our sacrifice? I stop looking at my situation as a negative, bad thing and get all depressed about it, and I thank God for it. I'm going to sacrifice myself in a sense of my thinking and the way I want to respond, 
And I'm going to ask God to give me the strength to think the way He wants me to think. Because after all, I'm going to be spending time in His Word, so I'm going to know what He has to say. And the Holy Spirit's going to give me something that I can use in my own heart and mind. And so we need to give thanks in everything. Sacrifice what we think. You see how this is a total life change? That this is a complete surrender? We've already surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ for our eternal life. Now He's saying, I want you to surrender your earthly life to me. And you're going to look like a fool. These are God's will in Christ Jesus. Meaning if we're not doing it, it's a sin. God doesn't say this is my will for you just to have some words to fill up a book. He's saying, if you're not doing this, you're sinning. You think you know better than I do, and you don't. He loves us too much for us to stay there. Which brings us to the don'ts of spiritual health, and therefore our mental health. And this is what he says. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Don't just take Harold's word for it. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Don't quench the spirit. It has the, this idea of throwing water on a fire, snuffing it out. And so we quench the spirit every time we sin. And if we get into a lifestyle of that, we are distancing ourselves from Jesus Christ and when God brings the guilt into our lives, which is meant to bring us back to Jesus Christ in repentance, if we don't get rid of that, that sits in our heart and in our mind. And it just eats away at us and eats away at us. And pretty soon we become fearful. We just start questioning where God's at. He hasn't moved anywhere. Then we start getting depressed. Then we start getting anxious. We're quenching the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been given to us to unify us with Jesus Christ. To to give us understanding of God's Word. To empower us to obey what God has given us to do. Unifies us with other believers. But those who are struggling with these things, it's all the opposite of that. Everything pivots on this next one. Don't despise God's word. It means to have no use for something because it's beneath beneath one's consideration. Prophetic utterances. Back then, God's Holy Spirit spoke through man, and then he spoke through them as they wrote scripture. Today, it's us reading scripture. So I'm not giving you a prophetic utterance in the sense of God speaking through me. I'm just giving you what God's Word says. So I'm bringing prophecy in the sense of truth, not future stuff. So I'm bringing God's truth. And when God says, I want a total life commitment, I want total surrender from you. And for us to go, well, He doesn't really mean total surrender. He doesn't really mean that I need to read and study and memorize and meditate on scripture. It doesn't really mean that I need to be at the church all, you know, not all week long, but each week and be with my church family. He doesn't really mean that I need to serve my church family. It doesn't really mean I need to share the gospel. It doesn't really mean it. No, stop doing that. That's despising what God says. That's you thinking or me thinking that we know better than God. It's no wonder we're all worked up. We're not doing what needs to be done. He says, examine. Make a critical examination of something. Check out its genuineness. This is what God's saying. Test me on this. I'm a good God. I'm not going to force myself on you. I want you to just willingly, of your own free will, do and work on what I've asked you to do. Test me on it. Not the test that says, God, I've given you my life. And if I do this, then you're going to change my spouse. If I do this, you're going to change my children. If I do this, you're going to get me a better job. If I do this, no, we're not bargaining with God. We're not testing him that way. We're testing him by 
by going, okay, God says if I do this day in, day out, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a choice to do it. God, give me the strength to do it. Then he says, well, you'll have to wait till the end. <laughs> Don't despise. But once you get it figured out, once you understand what Scripture is saying, then hold fast to it. Don't lose, don't, don't let go of it. Hebrews tells us, Jesus Christ is our anchor. Hang on. And then lastly, don't sin in any way. Abstain, abstain from every form of evil means to don't sin in any area of your life. I'm not saying we're going to be perfect. We've got to work towards that, though. To abstain means to avoid contact with or use of, to keep away. Every form of evil is just that. Every kind of evil, every area of sin in our life. We need to ask God, where else is there an area that I need to give over to you? And then to take that step of faith to do what he's called us to do. Sin is literally just saying, God, I know better than you what I should do. I know better than you what's going to give me, meet my needs, to give me satisfaction, to give me peace. Again, it's that whole guilt thing. We, we may be dealing with something here, but if we've got sin over here, th- there's going to be guilt here that God wants you to get rid of and draw back to Him. And then we can deal with this, but there's something here that needs to be dealt with. We've got to take Him at His word. We've got to take Him as He's telling us to do it. We've got to do it in His time. Now look, here's the answer before. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, oh, yeah, so, thank you. This is Romans 8, 6 through 8. Uh, we're going to go back real quick. So, for the mind set in the flesh. So, us thinking we know better than God is death. If you talk to people who are, have fear, depression, and anxiety, who are not heavy, uh, attacking it with the way God wants us to, you'll find that they're going to want to isolate themselves. The relationships end up being destroyed. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about Christians who are thinking in the flesh. But the mindset of the spirit, thinking God's way is best, is life and peace. That's what we all want, right? We all want life and peace. Man, I just want to sit back and have life and peace. Well, I'm not going to get it my way. I can only get it God's way. Because the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. In other words, it disobeys. Able to do so. You guys, we can't do this in and of ourselves. And that's a good thing. We need God's word and God's spirit to empower us to do what we need to do. It's a good thing that we can't do it of ourselves. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, so here's a promise. Now, may the God of peace himself... So God is going to be personally involved. If we take the step of faith and we totally surrender our lives to Him, He's going to personally be involved in sanctifying us entirely. He's going to make us more like Jesus Christ, is another way to put it. He's going to heal us mentally and emotionally. And may your spirit and soul and body, here it is, be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. Scripture is telling us we are not just physical. We are not from apes. We are carefully and lovingly designed by God himself personally, each one of us. And we are physical and we are metaphysical. We are physical and we are spiritually, emotional, and mental. And God wants to work in all of that his way. Faithful is he who calls you. That word call there is not the call to salvation, but once saved, called to the mission of becoming more like Jesus Christ. He's inviting you and me to be more like Jesus Christ. And he will also bring to pass. Listen, God's 100% committed to your maturity. He's going to, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's going to make sure you get to where he wants you to be spiritually before he takes you to heaven. You can either fight him on it or you can join him and let him do what he's got to do in you. And you trust this good God who died for you. 
He's not going to ask you to do anything that he hasn't already done for us. He gave up his life. We're going to have to give up. What? Here's a challenge. The fearful, depressed, anxious person has trained themselves to think that their perception of their circumstances is right and everyone else, including God, is wrong. I'm just being brutally honest here. Because when I've been in those situations, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I know better. So-and-so, Kim tries to encourage me. Yeah, she doesn't know. They express this by saying, well, that's not going to work. I see it in their faces when I'm meeting with them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then see them next week. Hey, how's it going? Well, you know, I was able to read the Bible for, you know, five minutes. And, then I, and now I know how my doctor feels when he says, Harold, you need to eat right, and I don't. You know, my blood pressure is still high. You know, then I'm just like, I got nothing else for you. Actually, what I'm offering you is the God of the universe. I got nothing else for you but the God of the universe. I can't motivate anybody to do it. You guys can't motivate anybody to do it. It's got to be a work of God. So our takeaways today, the first one is this. If you have somebody in your life who's going through this, if they're sitting at home today because they're so depressed, so anxious, they can't be around crowds, think about that. God says, hey, I want you guys to be together. But a wrong perspective isolates you. You know what's so dangerous about the whole COVID thing? The, the, wisdoms of, the wisdom of smarts, secular politicians and doctors said isolate. Wonder why we're having so many suicides? You wonder why the media is not talking about the number of suicides? The amount of kids going with drugs? Because they were told to isolate. We're going to look foolish. How many people heard? Well, you guys are still meeting? People on the community pages, when I put up inviting them to church, you're going to have a mask? You guys are wrong. You guys are meeting? Can't you guys meet with Zoom? Can't you guys meet with live stream? No, God said be together. Why? Because we are the body of Jesus Christ. That means the body is together. You don't want to see with my arm sitting over there. You know, the body needs to be together. So pray for them. Get on your knees and ask God. Do whatever it takes to get into their hearts and their minds. And then you live it. Because God's going to begin working and he wants you to be a part of it, but you need to be showing them the hope that they can have. Because they're going to be watching your life. They're going to be watching what you go through. They're going to be looking at your marriage. They're going to be looking at how you're dealing with your kids. They're going to be looking at how you're working and what's going on at work. What's going on in society and in our world. And World War III now. World War III. Nukes. By the way, the news is all about ratings. Just put that in your, I would say your pipe and smoke it. But, you know, think about it. Even the weather, even the weather, it's going to kill you. There's a cyclobomb bomb going up the East Coast right now. That's what they said, the cyclobomb. It's all about ratings. Don't buy into the fear because God's got it. So live it. Next one. If you're a person who's working on this, you're, you're wrestling with this and you're working through it and you're doing what God's calling you to do. You're not perfect because none of us are, but you're working on it then maybe it's time for you to take a step forward and say, hey, I'm going to be a microgroup facilitator. Now, what is that? A microgroup facilitator, is hard to say, but what it is, is it's somebody who's going to sit with two or three other people who are struggling and say, hey, I'm going to, I want to walk with you through this. I want, to, I want to help you because I know helping you will also help me, which is an awesome thing, and we can work on this together. It's doing what God's called us to do. Jesus said disciple, and so we use that word sometimes, but we say around here walk with people because it makes helps us understand that it's not just sitting down across the table from each other and what do you think it means? This is what I think it means. And what do you think it means? This is what I... Th- what do you... You know, 
It's walking with people, man. It's getting phone calls at night. You're sleeping. Hello? Hey, I'm going through something. And you're like, whoa, we got to wake up. You know, hey, what's going on? How can I pray for you? Let's get together. Then you can have the coffee. You know, that thing. Sign up. We just grab one of those connect cards in front of you, put your name on it, and put your name down. I'm not saying everyone's going to do it. I'm not going to necessarily just let everybody do this. But if you're interested, we can at least get you moving in the right direction to help with it. Some of you are ready to just do that. Some of you, I'd probably say, hey, let's just kind of work through some stuff first. And then the third one is, you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I really want to do what God wants me to do. I want to, I want to make this happen in my life. You take a card, put your name down, and say, I want to be a microgroup participant. And we'll set you up with somebody who will walk with you, who will help you, who will pray with you, encourage you, be there when you need them with a text or an email or a phone call or coming over. Every Christian is to be doing this with others. And we'll get you the help and encouragement. You've got to put in the work. But we'll get you to help, the encouragement. And we're going to see God do some cool things in our church family, continue to do some cool things in our church family. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for, um, again, for your word. Man, such hope there. Um, you are such a good God. And uh, you just want us to trust you. We say we're trusting you for salvation. Man, we should be able to trust you with our earthly needs. Father, I pray for, for those in the, in the room and those who may be listening to this during the week because they're at a point where they're almost afraid to leave their home. That Lord, your Holy Spirit would do his work in their heart. It's your words. It's your Holy Spirit. Do the work that you've promised to do. Lord, for those of us here that we need to take a step of faith and walk with others, that they would take that opportunity. And that those who are willing to reach out, Lord, that we would be able to get them connected and, and be able to see people who are growing spiritually and therefore moving towards mental and emotional health as well. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for Jesus Christ in whose death and life we've received freedom. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. Represent Christ well.